Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Back around uh, the late 1990s, here at Parkside, we started experiencing uh, what seems to be the start of uh, numerous physical ailments and sicknesses and problems that have gone on. Uh, seems. I know it's not. Seems like it's been kind of continuous. And this past week was another, what felt like another hit to the stomach when we weren't ready for it. Because we, you know, we were hearing good reports from, uh, from Val and her time in Houston and it seemed like, you know, things were going really well. And, you know, today I start with that and start with talking about disappointments and uh, troubles and tribulations and sufferings and all. And the idea immediately seems like it's a downer. And it, it just is, uh, as I say, it, it just kind of stinks. Um. And it's interesting that we're on the passage that we're on today. And uh, I didn't plan this. In fact, if I could have planned it, I would have gone back to the early or the late 1990s and made some plans that would have stopped what was happening back then with people dying prematurely and uh, the difficulties that uh, we've seen as a congregation over the last 25 years or so. Um, but today, we're called really to one thing, folks. Paul just says, real simply, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. I lose heart. I lose heart about a, a number of things that have happened. And... Um, I want to, uh, it, it causes me to realize after studying a passage like this, it causes me to realize that, you know, we're, um, it's good to love people. That's what God shows to us. And it's good to love um, the brethren, love brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it's just that we have to remember we're in this world. We're not in some fantasy world where things end like Disneyland movies all the time. 
if we were all t if we were to form a line for all of you and, and have you walk up here one by one and share, there'd be disappointments you could share. And what do we think of those disappointments? You know, how do we handle them? And uh, I want to encourage all of us in this in this regard um, that we would. I think what the, the passage is getting at here this morning is that we would uh, have a different perspective. Would you just look at chapter 3, verse 1? Because right there, we see a different perspective. We see a gospel alignment. And that's what I need. I need a gospel alignment in my life. When Paul says, uh, what is the first verse there? I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, right away, he's lining up with a true perspective of life. And how long has it taken me or you to learn this? I'm still not there yet. I still don't like the idea of suffering, nor do you, nor do I like to see you go through things of suffering and somehow Paul is, is uh, writing or, or dictating things in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Ephesians. And it's in the, it's in the heavenlies. He's, he's talking it up and going, wow, we have the greatest position being in Christ. And then in verse 1, if you go again and look at verse 1, he says, for this reason. So basically what he's already said, especially in chapter 2, he's now taking a transition and he's saying, for this reason, I, Paul, now stop right there and jump to verse 14. What does verse 14 say? For this reason. What happened? He, he has started with a thought and then gone on a rabbit trail. Preachers never do that. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, and, and Paul does it. He does what um, has been called either a rabbit trail, another thought. Oh, just one more, just one more thought. But really, it's connected here. Because what he's going to do is he's going to pray next. That's what's up. He's going to pray next and emphasize prayer. And that's what's going to come at the end of chapter 3. So prayer is going to take a priority. Prayer is a priority in his understanding of our salvation. That's what he's just said in chapters 1 and 2. Salvation is of the Lord. Here is the believer's position in Christ. You are gloriously rede redeemed. You are gloriously forgiven and pardoned being in Christ. And it's all because of God's work in Jesus and His salvation. But you know what else this, this section shows is Paul's pastor's heart. This is showing Paul's pastor's heart. Because he starts by saying, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And it's like he's going to launch into saying, For this reason I'm going to pray for you. Like he says in verse 14. But actually, now he's going to explain 
about suffering by explaining how he got into this. The Gentile believers in Ephesus are concerned for his suffering. He's in jail. So they're concerned. And, but he says, I'm giving you a gospel alignment here in verse 1. Point number 1 in your outline. Paul's wanting to pray for them. And he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for your sake, you Gentile believers. And in this, Paul shows us his continuous mindset about what Christ is doing in his life, not what the circumstances are doing. Even in dire situations, even in what seemingly hopeless times, I'm in prison. I can't do what I was supposed to do. God called me to go preach, and I'm in prison. I can't do that. That's not what Paul says. He takes advantage of the very situation. And he's preaching to those guards, the Roman Praetorian guard around him. He's sharing his faith with those guys. He's not thinking, oh man, I'm just so bummed out. I'm I'm so disappointed. He's not whining about it. He's remembering that God, number one, God is sovereign. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. Did God send him on a bad trip? Now that he's in jail or he's imprisoned? No. He's remembering God's sovereign. He's remembering Christ is alive. Do we remember that? Do you and I remember that Christ is alive? We need to bring that to mind. That's gospel alignment. We need to remember the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is work in the believer, for the believer. And Paul, listen, Paul did not use this as a pity party. I've been guilty of using things as a pity party. You have too, I'm sure. Paul didn't use this as a platform for a pity party or a platform for social causes or a platform for political argument. I tell you, those Roman leaders, you know, they're, they're a bunch of scumbags. He could have said that. Hey, they're killing innocent people. Why not, why not take advantage of that? He didn't. Nor did he use it, you know, he, he just aligned himself with the gospel and what Christ was doing. In other words, God's eternal purposes. And that's what we're going to see here in a little bit as we carry on with this study. So he's concerned about the believers understanding why he's in the situation he's in. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the the Gentiles. He got put in there, you know, because the Jews got all bent out of shape because they thought... He brought a Gentile into the temple back in Acts, I think it was 22. Acts 22. And they, they, you know, oh, this guy, we need to arrest him. They finally got him arrested and taken off to Rome. So, he's simply bringing forth a gospel alignment. And when you and I face disappointment, tribulation, sufferings, or whatever, we've got to follow this example. Are you a prisoner of that situation of that predicament or are you a prisoner of christ jesus number two paul's gospel assignment 
now he just launches into talking about what we see what it seems like he's already talked about but he's having good uh reminders here because uh repetition is the key to what class repetition is the key to retention shall i say it again thank you (laughs) all right so he's just going to talk about here's here's the ministry the ministry that he paul has and why it is connecting it why it is that he's now a prisoner of christ jesus you know under the roman authority there so the gospel assignment letter a is stewardship stewardship now you and i need to think in these terms we we tend to put paul way up there on the on the success ladder of spirituality and say i'll never be like a paul but all he's saying is i received this stewardship verse two if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of god's grace which was given to me for you a stewardship is is something that's entrusted to another who will give an account so it's like you're a manager you know um, and you've got responsibility to give an account to the owner to the lord and paul became a steward of god's grace to the gentile world and paul was faithfully to give out to the gentiles what a list of rules a list of do this don't do that no what was he a steward of what does it say in verse 2 look at it he was a steward of god's grace he's a dispenser of god's grace he's just like that you know that machine you put you know you put the coin in and you pull this out and out comes the the treat that you wanted well this is the dispensing of god's grace through the instrument of the apostle paul he's putting forth the grace of god wherever he goes and then he talks about it in verse three it's a mystery of christ what is that simply put it's the body of truth that is contained or summed up in the person and ministry of jesus christ that's the ministry uh, the mystery of christ that's what it's saying there in verse three that by revelation there was made known to me it was revealed to him who revealed it to him jesus jesus revealed it to paul he revealed and there's this it was made known to me the mystery verse three as i wrote before in brief and you can look at chapter one verse nine where he wrote before in brief he mentioned about the mystery of his will okay so paul describes the mystery of god also in colossians 2 2 you can write that verse down colossians 2 2 that in christ the unseen god is is fully revealed he's fully revealed in the savior and lord it's jesus okay so that term mystery is best understood as something that is beyond natural knowledge but now has been opened up to us by means of divine revelation it was there in the old testament in shadow form when we talk about the blood put on the the uh, doorposts there in egypt that's a, a covering so they weren't killed by the the angel of death well that's a picture of 
Jesus' blood covering you. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago about the atonement. Same thing with the ark of Noah. Go into the ark. Get in and what? Be rescued from the, the flood of wrath to come. Okay? Pictures and shadows of what was to come. So commentators, many commentators put it this way. The New Testament is in the old concealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament, only it's concealed. It's there. You can see pictures and shadows of it. But then now in the New Testament, it is what? It's not concealed anymore. Here it is. It's open. It's, it's revealed. It's a revelation that was given to Paul and the other apostles. And they shared this good news of, of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then in verse 4 and 5, it's talking about Paul had mentioned the mystery. And then verse 5 tells of here's the timing or the unveiling of this ministry. Look at verse 5. And which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. That's basically referring to the Old Testament times. It was not made known to them. As it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. So the, the apostles and prophets are propagating, they're pressing on with the message of the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. Okay, then in verse 6, look at verse 6. It's saying, to be specific that the Gentiles are... And then listen, fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's repetition again, class, so that we get the idea that Jesus brought two groups together that no one else could do, that no one else could bring together. Jews were, remember, arrogant and prideful with their religion. Gentiles were the, the dogs. They're the bad guys. They don't love God. They don't love God like we do. Look at us. Look at our, how we do things, right? So we understand here's the, the specifics of this mystery of Christ. Now, the specifics are, are, is, is this. It's the complete union of Jews and Gentiles with each other through union both with Christ Jesus. Okay? It's the complete union of Jews and Gentiles with each other through the union of both with Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Okay? So the Gentiles then are labeled. They're fellow heirs. How in the world could that be? Well, God promised it through Abraham back in Genesis. Genesis 12. He's saying, all nations will be blessed because of your seed. Well, here's the fulfillment of it in Christ. Okay, so they're partakers of that. So that's letter A under number two, the stewardship. Letter B is stewardship with a strategy. What that is, is here's his particular ministry in verse seven. It's exclusively by grace. So that's on the back of your outline. It's all about grace. This is where we read that Paul's appointment, he was made a minister. And the word minister there is simply like a, you know, you go out this afternoon, if you go out to a restaurant, you've got a waiter. He's bringing you the food. Well, that's the word here. 
nothing special, but a minister, a servant, one who delivers the food. And that's what Paul has done. He's delivering the food of, here's the grace of God. Okay? It's also enveloped, and by the way, that grace, by the way, is always accompanied by the working of his power. You see that in verse 7 there? It's the working of his power. And then verse 8, it's, it's showing that this ministry is enveloped in humility. What does he say in verse 8 um, to me? The very least of all saints. Now, this is something that Paul has said in different ways in previous times. He's saying, I'm the least of all the apostles. <laughs> okay? Um, I'm, I'm the foremost, on the other hand, I'm the foremost of the sinners. He understands his true nature before God. He's not just exaggerating. He understands his true nature. Okay? <laughs> Paul knew very well the pit from which he was rescued from. He persecuted Christians. He stood at the area where Stephen was executed and he gave approval to it. And then he carried on with further persecution. He was a blasphemer. He was a violent aggressor of the law, of, of, of uh, you know, what God was wanting to accomplish. And yet... And you can look at that, and that's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He says that of himself. But in, in, in all this, he says, Yet I was shown mercy, even amidst the, the ignorant unbelief that he had. And then he says that the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. So he had that humble heart, that humble attitude. And folks, Christian... You and I, there are t many times where our pride sneaks out and, and grabs a hold of the control panel of, of our lives. Our pride does that. And so we've got to be on the alert for that because this is, the, this is the way to approach ministry, right? Just like Paul does. So you and I approach ministry by His grace, exclusively by His grace, and enveloped in humility. Then second, engaged in preaching. That's what he goes on to say. I was, I was given this grace to, verse 8, preach to the Gentiles. Okay? And preaching is God's way of saving sinners. Mark down 1 Corinthians 1, 21, if you want, and see it there. That God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Then, again, we move on in this list exalting christ exalting in christ and his riches okay you see that again end of verse eight i'm preaching to the gentiles the unfathomable riches of christ the word unfathomable there is untraceable it's the idea of untraceable it's like an ocean of riches and you can't even plumb the depths of it all so it's really speaking, this term is really speaking of the impossibility of tracking and comprehending the full depth of the riches in Christ. Okay? And folks, let me take a, a rabbit trail here. You and I, 
need to keep after learning about the riches of Christ in our lives. That's the idea of coming back again next time and saying, let's learn more about Jesus. Let's hear from the Word of God about what the Bible says about His riches, about His grace. We need to keep after it. The riches of Christ are so many, guess what? It will take an eternity for us to, you know, for God to show them to us. You think about that. Eternity? Floating around with little angel wings? No, no, no. Eternity worshiping and serving a risen Savior and learning about His riches and will never grow bored. Folks, that, by the way, another rabbit trail, that's why we, have, um, we get locked into problems. And there's also the issue of boredom even. When we get bored, what, you know, we end up getting, in, getting ourselves into trouble even. You know, boredom, what is it? It's like, oh, gee, I don't know what to do with my time. And then I get focused on things of this life. Okay, so we are called in this way to keep pressing on to learn more about the, the riches, the unfathomable riches of our Savior, Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 7. Just look back at that. What does Ephesians 2, 7 say? That in the ages to come, He might show, what? <laughs> the surpassing riches of His grace. Okay, that's what we want to get a, a better grab, a better hold on. And then this next one on your list on the on the back of the outline is an interesting one. Educating angels. What? Yeah, educating angels. Look at what verse nine says: to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that here it is: the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to or through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. That's not talking about uh, church leaders. That's talking about angelic beings. Here's the the issue of learning about Christ, uh, the unfathomable riches in Christ. And now when we as church are functioning as we ought, the manifold, multi-layered, the manifold wisdom of God is in essence on display for angels to see it and to watch. Can angels understand salvation? They're going, what? what's God doing? What in the world would a holy... I mean, what do angels do? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're, they're looking and they, they don't comprehend. And so the church can be on display to show and educate, if you will, the angels in glory that are watching we don't see them but they're watching and so we're on display that the manifold wisdom of god might be made known then the final one in this is about his eternal purposes okay in verse 11 this was in accordance with the eternal purpose this ministry of grace which he carried out Jesus, which God carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay? Now, which leads us back to, here's the, basically the application of it all. You have access. Okay? 
and by the way, I'm sorry, I, I didn't point it out, but under point number one, we have a higher perspective. And now he takes that idea and goes to calling for a godly practice. So under number one, a higher perspective of, of life situations. Under number three here, it's a go- calling for a godly practice in your life as a believer. It's in light of this issue of suffering. Tribulations and suffering provides a platform on which God's grace in Christ can be more loudly and more visibly proclaimed. And it serves notice to a watching world that there's more to life than the issues of this world. There is someone that we trust in. Now, I say that so that today or in the future, when you face difficulty, when you face trial or troubles, whatever it is, you, you have eyes, listen, you have eyes of faith that look beyond the actual stink of a problem, mess of a problem, heartache of a problem, and you look and say, God, what is it that you're showing me? What is it that you want me to learn? And the more that you and I have an understanding that God is truly sovereign, truly trustworthy, then it's not that everything's going to become peachy keen. It's not, it doesn't work that way. But certainly, he will give you what? He'll give you endurance. He'll give you endurance to make it and see that way through. I, I came in, in preparing for this message, I read a bunch of articles and, and you know, studied the passage and all. And I came across this statement about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I didn't say that quite right. Alexander Solzhenitsyn the Russian accent or something. Anyway, here's what he said. He never met people who were happier than Christians in prison. The happiest people should have been the most miserable people. And that's talking about being in a, in a prison. And folks, if you're not aware of this, you need to be. We've got Christian brothers and sisters around the world that are in prison, that are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. And we need to be lifting them up, especially in our situation when we are so comfortable and we are so well off. We need to be lifting those brothers and sisters up in prayer that God would shine through them. And I was at a Voice of Martyrs conference back uh, earlier in the year, and they said, don't pray for us, pray with us. Pray with us. Why? When we pray for them, we want to see them kind of, you know, hey, hanging out on the couch and relaxing and enjoying life. You know what they want? God's glory shown through their situation. And the more you and I can kind of translate that in our lives in comfortable America, the more, the better off we're going to be the more we'll be growing to shine for Christ in hard situations. And so, Paul is calling for a godly practice in light of the issue of suffering. He says, in essence, step into action with your letter A, constant access. You have a constant access to the Father. 
It's not like it's a lights out and hey, we're we're closed. Don't don't knock. In the middle of the night, you can call out to Abba Father. And it's not just for your petitions, by the way. It's so that you would praise Him and thank Him for His goodness to us. Access to the Father. It's a great privilege of the believer. Every time you pray, you ought to be saying, thank you for this privilege, dear God, that we can pray to you. Access to the Father. Come and keep coming to praise Him and to petition Him. And in specific, yeah, for Bill and Val this week. For Trevor and and the Wooth family. For others that you hear of and know of. Then letter B, step into action with your constant hope. Verse 13, what does it say? Look at verse 13. He's saying, therefore I ask you. Therefore, because of what? Because of what I've just explained. Here's the ministry that's gotten me into the trouble I'm in. I'm in prison because of this ministry for Jesus. Therefore, send me some cookies or send me some of this. No. Therefore, he's still concerned about them for a pastor's heart. Don't lose heart, brother. Don't lose heart, sister. Remember God's good grace to you in Christ. Remember your position in Christ. Ephesians 1 and 2. Have you reminded yourself of your position in Christ? If you are in him. Well, this week, you, you take Ephesians 1 and 2 and remind yourselves of I'm a, if I'm a child of God, here's my position in him. And then when, not if, but when, when the trials, when the troubles, when the suffering comes, you'll be saying, you know what? Here's my position in Jesus. This is my position in him. And here's my hope. I don't need to fear I do not need to fear. I do not need to lose heart over the issue of suffering. Because I can remember that he's made me his child. I'm fellow heirs in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm chosen. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. Now, in the, in the closing minutes here, here's what I want to do. Why? Why do we experience discouragement we start here in the study of the book of ephesians and consider chapter one and two chapter one and two is about salvation is of are you convinced of that salvation is of god so we start there i can get i i'll say it this way i can get discouraged if i have a low view of jesus and his salvation. Write that down if you want or something. This is important because I can very easily get discouraged if I have a low view of the Savior and his gift of salvation. The more I elevate his person and his work in my life, now I can say, you know what? Like Paul, I look at this, I'm, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner, whatever, it, whatever area I'm dealing with. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I can also experience discouragement if I just simply entertain thoughts of doubt. Young people, that's why we want to encourage you about 
growing in faith. You grow in faith by being in the Word of God, reading it and learning about it more and more and more because that's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so doubt will come knocking on your door. Doubt will come. You can be guaranteed about that. How do you handle doubt? You listen to it and, oh, yeah, oh, man, gee whiz, I'm, yeah, I'm bummed. Why? When, what happened? I gave thought to and time to the doubt in my life. You and I need to remember, walk by faith. Just keep walking by faith, learning what, what, what pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So grow in faith. Faith in the things of the Word of God. Okay? So those are some things that cause discouragement. So be on the alert for that. Then, as we wrap it up, for a higher perspective, to be like Paul, to say, yeah, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Well, to have that is very easy to attain. It's not impossible. It's something that we can do. Have a mindset that values the future. Young people, listen here. The to value your future over the very present moment. Here's a present moment situation. Hmm, I'd sure like to do that. But in the back of your mind, you know, I better not. Oh, but it's so fun. Uh, So everyone's doing it, blah, blah, blah. Value your future over the present moment if it's a temptation or whatever. Value the future. That's what I want you to mark this down. Just 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It's a verse that will help in that regard then also value what's eternal over what's temporal. Spiritual is always going to be greater than the physical. There's a lot of physical blessings that God's given to us. Yes? But spiritual is always going to trump physical in God's economy. All right. So, I'm not going to read this to you, but I want, if you have not yet looked at Bill's post on Caring Bridge, look up caringbridge. Is it .org? Caringbridge.org and type in Val Kristoff. If you're not already a part of it, but you need to read what Bill posted in light of what they just heard on Wednesday. What they just heard on Wednesday, here's a great example of someone saying, I want a higher perspective. He didn't give a woe was me and woe was us report. It's actually a very edifying, encouraging word that he posted on that website. And my friend, that's what you and I together, we want to keep doing that. Why? Because this lifts up Jesus Christ to the world. People see Jesus Christ on that website. People see Jesus Christ in you when you are saying, I realize I got this problem. It really is, it it hurts, but you know what? I'm looking to Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. So, I'll encourage you to read that. It's a, It's a couple of paragraphs here. I'm not going to take time to do it now. But I want to encourage you to stay with this idea. Stay with this study. 
and keep marching on with it. Now, next week, we'll look at this prayer that Paul offers up for believers, and we're going to be encouraged by that too. Please stand with me as we close our service. We've talked about not losing heart. I'm not going to have a show of hands, but there's many of us here. And I say us. I involve myself. We can easily lose heart over situations, whatever they are in life. And God's provided for you, child of God. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we implore you, we invite you Come to the cross. Bow before Jesus Christ and call out to him. Admit your sin. Turn from it and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, Christian, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And then the grace of our Lord and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Father, we ask that you would do your good work here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for suffering and trials, difficulties. Lord, we want to simply be reflecting your work and your uh, your presence in our lives. Please help each person here. Help us, Lord, when we feel the pinch of things that hurt and help us to be quick to respond to you in faith and hope and love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all and you're dismissed.